This is the OTP presented by Far Bureau Health Plans. Far Bureau Health Plans, where you are the plan. Far Bureau Health Plans makes it easy to get the health coverage you need for less than you think. See how at FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith. Glad to have you with us. It is game week. Hard to believe that it is finally kickoff week in the NFL. The Titans set to take on the New Orleans Saints at Caesars Superdome coming up this Sunday. We'll remind you that the game kicks off noon central time. We're on the air on our many great Titans radio stations throughout the region, beginning with Titans Countdown at 11 a.m. Central this Sunday, September 10th, Titans at Saints to open the season. We're going to learn more about the New Orleans Saints momentarily. Jeff Duncan with the Times-Picayune will join me in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to remind you about our great friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family, and if you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans game or to any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. As promised, Jeff Duncan, columnist for the Times-Picayune in New Orleans. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mike, great to be here. Thanks for having me on, bud. All right, so let's talk before we get into this week's game with the Saints. People may remember that you were here actually before the Titans, right? Weren't you here with the Tennessee Oilers? Correct, yeah. Covered that transition. Uh, to Nashville back when they played in Vanderbilt and uh, the early nascent phase of the Oilers Titans franchise in, in Nashville. And it's, it's incredible when I go back now, Mike, and see the change in the city, how the organization has grown. Uh, I really think it's just a, the whole atmosphere and culture around the organization, I think, um, have changed from those early days. And it's really exciting to see. And I, Titans fans ought to be excited about the future. What were you specifically doing while you covered that transition? How did, how did that work from a professional standpoint? Yeah, I was working down in Florida, and my old boss, Tom Squires, had, had moved to Nashville and was working for Ray Maddox in, uh, I guess it was called Sports Nashville at the time. It was a weekly publication, and they they had the Titans-exclusive kind of the team publication at the time. And he needed someone to cover the NFL and I'd covered the NFL before and uh, really was excited about moving to Nashville. I mean, my hometown is uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So I had family, I was gonna be closer to family and I've always loved Nashville. So it was really a great, exciting opportunity to see that the franchise kind of, you know, the NFL's birth in the state of Tennessee, that was very exciting to cover. And uh, so I was, it was basically my first full-time job in the NFL and learned so much from Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher when they were there, they were so like understanding of 
someone kind of learning the, the ropes in the NFL. So it was a really exciting time for me. Jeff, you ended up going straight to New Orleans, or was there a stop in between? No, I went, I went to New Orleans to cover – well, actually, I guess you'd say, Mike, I went to Baton Rouge. <laughs> I was working for, I was working for the Times Picayune, but covering LSU, and and Nashville people remember this. Jerry Donardo was the head coach at LSU then, and uh, it was his final year covering LSU. And I covered covered LSU Tigers for one year, and then moved to New Orleans, uh, stayed at the Times Picayune, but moved to New Orleans to cover the Saints. And my first year covering the saints as a beat writer, they won their first ever playoff game in franchise history. They went 10 and six kind of surprised the league. And it's been kind of the main, my main focus of coverage since then, even though I'm now a columnist, which means I get to throw my opinion around as opposed to just being a beat writer. But you stepped out of sports for a while, right? Oh, yes. After, after hurricane Katrina, we all kind of became news reporters uh, I covered the the storm here back in 2005. Uh, you know, rode the storm out in our newsroom, and then the aftermath. It was just such a, you know, drastic story. I mean, it was the biggest story I'll ever cover in my life, and uh, really the aftermath of it probably went on for about a year working in the news department. Uh, it was just you know such an uh, extensive story. It affected every part of your life down here. And so to see the city come back and rebound and the Saints move back and the Superdome get rebuilt, uh, I'll never cover anything of that magnitude in my career. At least I hope I know. How has that experience changed how you cover football? That's a great question. It, it really has changed. It, it's given perspective. I can still remember, Mike, being in the Superdome. It was a Friday night. The Saints were playing the Baltimore Ravens. I was the beat writer at the time. Uh, the Friday night before Hurricane Katrina, the, the storm was out in the Gulf and no one was really paying that much attention to it. We thought it was going to jog up toward Florida. And literally 24 hours later, the whole city was being evacuated. But back then, my main concern was just who's going to make the 53-man roster for the Saints? Sure. And 24 hours, 48 hours later, your entire life is turned upside down. The whole 80% of the city was underwater. We had no power. We had no plumbing. I mean, just the basic necessities of human life in our society was all gone. Can communicate, no cell service. Uh, when you go through something like that, it puts sports in perspective. And uh, really realized it, it's a small part of our lives. It's, a, it's an important part, obviously, and we all get entertainment out of it. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. It really does kind of set your perspective on life. I guess it's a hard turn now to talk about the game this Sunday, but we have to do it. Um, I was just fascinated to know about your experience doing that, and now your experience as a columnist is something quite different. And the 2023 Saints are an interesting team in that, like the Titans, they were 7-10 and 10 a year ago, and they had one of the biggest acquisitions of free agency in Derek Carr. Why was Derek Carr the right answer for the 2023 New Orleans Saints at quarterback? Well, there's familiarity there, right, for both sides. First of all, Dennis Allen was the head coach with the Raiders when they drafted Derek Carr. So he knows the player and what he's getting in Derek Carr very well. 
And then Derek Carr, I think it was a great fit here because this offensive scheme that, that Pete Carmichael runs, the offensive coordinator, uh, was all the Sean Payton system, of course, here. He was here for 16 years. And Sean Payton learned that from John Gruden. So it's the exact, really the exact same offense that Carr ran, a, a very similar offense to what he ran uh, with the Raiders. So it was really a perfect fit, and you can see it. I mean, it's been a very seamless transition for Derek Carr. Uh, I think he's jumped right into the bridle here, taken over, and really, uh, I think, brought a lot of enthusiasm and confidence to the locker room because they see how he's operating this offense and as you know, Mike, I mean, this is a quarterback-driven league for for a large to a large extent, and uh, you got to have a good one. And Derek Carr certainly, uh, with four Pro Bowls, has an upgraded that that key position for the Saints. He's the best quarterback they've had here since obviously Drew Brees left a couple years ago. Specifically, how does Derek Carr change or improve the Pete Carmichael offense? Well, what he does that is critical, and it's what Drew Brees was excelled at is he's great at getting to the line of scrimmage leaning on that experience of of 10 years in the league Uh, he's seen everything he knows how to read defensive coverages defensive formations and and the the Saints system is so sophisticated uh, they allow the quarterback if they're willing to make changes at the line of scrimmage so you'll see Derek Carr doing a lot of what Drew Brees did getting the Saints in, going to the line of scrimmage with a couple options, seeing how the defense aligns, and he's going to be making a lot of checks at the line to get them in the right play. And that's something they didn't have the last couple of seasons, and it really limited their offense. And that, that's unusual, Mike. I mean, the, the Saints for years under Breeze and Payton were a top-five offense. I mean, really, I, I wrote a book uh, on that offense. I, I still – maybe I'm biased, but I think it's the greatest offense in league history. I mean, they were in the top five for 15 years. That's – almost impossible to do. And they've been down in the low twenties the last couple of years, really foreign territory for them. And they think Carr can get them back into that top 10 because he's so good at reading defenses and getting them in and out of right play. All right, Jeff Duncan, who does Derek Carr look to throw to coming up this Sunday? Well, they've got some emerging guys. I mean, the big name of course is Mike Thomas, who's back at wide receiver this year. He's really missed most of the last three years, Mike, he, I think he's played 10 games in three years with assortment of injuries, but he's not going to be the Mike Thomas that was the offensive player of the year in 2019. Uh, you know, he's 30 years old now, and he's going to be more of a, I think, a, a third option in this in this offense. The main guy is going to be Chris Olave, who had an outstanding rookie season a year ago. He's a very smooth receiver out of Ohio State. And then the guy that I think people need to watch is Jawan Johnson, the young tight end. He came into the league as a as a receiver. He's converted to tight end and really made a great transition to that position. And both those guys, Olave and Jawan Johnson, have really shown early on a strong connection with Derek Carr. I think he trusts them a lot, and they are going to be their go, his go-to receivers this year. I'm intrigued in looking at the roster. I, th- I think like a lot of people – didn't realize Jameis Winston was back. What is his role as the backup quarterback, and why do you think he decided to come back or they decided that they wanted him back? Well, they love having Jameis in the building. I mean, he's a great team player, and he gives them a veteran quarterback with experience 
behind Derek Carr. Fortunately, Derek Carr has been very durable in his career. I think he's missed four games at nine seasons. So hopefully they don't have to go to the backup. But if you do, and we've seen that in the past, I mean, the Saints have had to play three quarterbacks each of the last two seasons. So it happens. There are injuries. And having a guy with skins on the wall the way Jameis Winston does and the fact that he's been in this system now for four years, he knows it like the back of his hand. That's really reassuring, I think, for Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen to have a guy with that experience. He's not played that well the last couple of years, but he's had injuries, Mike. And those, you know, you hurt your back like he did last year. Uh, everything comes off your spine, right? And it really limited him, I think, a year ago. And he's healthy. He's looked a lot better this year. Alvin Kamara suspension, Jeff. Two-part question. How does the Saints' offense change without Kamara, and who's going to run the football for the Saints on Sunday? Well, they don't have an Alvin Kamara. When he's going to be out these first three weeks, uh, it's going to change how they approach their offense. Jamal Williams was signed in free agency to carry the load and be uh, carry the load while Kamara's suspended and then to be the main backup. Uh, Jamal Williams led the NFL in rushing touchdowns a year ago with 17. Uh, he's a proven commodity from his years in Green Bay and Detroit. Uh, but he's not Alvin Kamara. He doesn't have the elusiveness, the dynamic pass-catching ability out of the backfield. Uh, but they will have to adjust the offense without him. They won't be the same. I don't think they'll lean on the running game uh, as much as they do when Alvin Kamara is available. So it's a, a definite uh, disadvantage for them without Alvin Kamara. They, they don't have a playmaker like him. Uh, their their other running back will be Kendra Miller, a third round pick out of TCU, who has a lot of potential. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted the Saints to take Tajay Spears. I'm sure you're seeing up there his dynamic ability out of the backfield. Kendra Miller's a little bigger version of Tajay Spears, but he's a guy that I think down the road will will get more carries. But early on, it's going to be Jamal Williams. Another surprise, I think, in looking at the 2022 Saints was how good they were on defense. Dennis Allen's a defensive guy. Joe Wood's an excellent coordinator. What does a Dennis Allen, Joe Wood's defense look like? It's very much like what they ran here under Greg Williams for a number of years. They're they're very base in that they're not real exotic. Uh, They get after you physically up front with their front seven. One of the characteristics of Dennis Allen's defense is their defensive lines, very physical, very big prototype players. And what I mean by that, Mike, is their defensive ends, Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson, Peyton Turner, uh, these guys are like tree, trees in there. They're 6'5", uh, across the front line. Brian Brzee, their, their first-round draft pick from Clemson, is a 6'5", defensive tackle. You just don't see interior linemen that tall for the most part. So they they like to play basic. They don't like to blitz very much. They get after you with that front four on the defensive line, and they have tremendous uh, sticky man-to-man coverage on the outside. They're very physical. And now there's there's a downside to that. They get a lot of holding, pass interference calls in the secondary, but they'll live with that. That's the cost of doing business the way they play. They feel like it's kind of like the old – Rick Pitino basketball um, philosophy. They're going to hand check you all game and hope the officials don't don't call everything. That's the way the Saints play defense. They get after you and they put it on the officials that have to make those judgment calls. Makes it very difficult for your passing attack to get much timing because they they really try to throw you off 
your routes and reroute you in their pass coverage. And those guys on the secondary are 6'1", 6'2", big. They're big across the board on defense. They're not, they don't like little guys on this defense. And you'll, you'll see it when they come on the field, they, they look the part. Cam Jordan, eight Pro Bowls, one of the best defensive linemen of the era. Why has he been so special, Jeff? Well, he's just an incredible story. I mean, the guy never misses not only a game. He, he hardly misses a snap, Mike. I've never seen a guy as durable as he is. I think he's missed one game because of injury in his career. Uh, that's an extraordinary. He came into the league in 2011. And the thing that makes him unique is uh, – you know, he's not your typical, like I mentioned earlier, he's a big guy, big physical guy. He's not your typical, uh, he's not going to win with speed, blinding, blinding speed off the edge. Uh, you know, like, like a lot of these defensive ends that get to the quarterback, he's all physical, strong hands, plays the run extremely well, always has his eyes on the quarterback. So he doesn't get fooled a lot. You don't see him get out of position on a jet sweep or a screen pass he diagnoses all that. He's so smart, and he just never misses a play. I've never seen a guy. He just plays every down, uh, every game. He's always there. And, you know, for coaches uh, to have that kind of reliability and durability after all this time, pretty remarkable. More with Jeff Duncan of the Times-Picayune in New Orleans momentarily, but... Right now, a word from our friends at Duncan. It's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action. Whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home, Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. Continuing with Jeff Duncan, columnist with the Times-Picayune in New Orleans, as we begin to wrap this thing up, looking at injuries to begin this week, week one of the NFL season, who are the Saints concerned about injury-wise as we enter this week? I think they're going to be almost 100% healthy. The two main names that most people will know, Marshawn Lattimore, their shutdown corner, easily their best corners, had a great camp. He tweaked his knee out in Los Angeles as they worked against the Chargers. Hasn't practiced since, but Dennis Allen has said he expects him to be 100% for week one, so I expect to see him. And then Taysom Hill, the gadget utility player that's so critical in their offense, he had an oblique strain a few weeks ago and has not practiced since then, but he also is expected to be okay for week one. Those are really the only names of note injury-wise, and I expect those guys to be on the field. Jeff, who are the rookies that the Saints will be counting on even as early as this Sunday? Well, there's a couple of surprising guys on the roster, Mike, that both their place kicker and their punter are undrafted free agents. I mean, the punter is a guy named Lou Headley, who's got to be one of the most interesting stories in the NFL. He's a 30-year-old rookie from Australia, owned a tattoo parlor, was a scaffolder in Australia, and then decided he was going to give it a go and try and make it as a punter. He was a rugby player in Australia, and he beat out Blake Gillikin, the incumbent punter. So he's going to be punting for this team. And then their kicker, Blake Rupee, uh, 
beat out Will Lutz. The Saints traded Will Lutz, the veteran former pro bowler, to the Denver Broncos, and they're going with two young guys as specialists. And so those guys will be ones to watch. I mean, they've never done it in the NFL, but they've had great camps. And then the other guy that I think will be prominent will be Brian Brzee. I mentioned earlier the defensive tackle, first-round draft pick out of Clemson. Uh, he's going to – I don't know if he'll start, but he'll be in there on passing downs, a really good interior pass rusher at the defensive tackle spot. I want to go back to Lou Headley for just a second, and the, the story is crazy, by the way, but I want to ask something more specific. Is he an Australian-style punter in terms of that sidewinding, or does he do more of the American-style punting now? No, the, the, he's definitely Australian-style, so he has a bunch of – tools in his tool bag, right? I mean, he's going to kick side, backspin, all of that. And that's something that was very intriguing to Darren Rizzi, the special teams coach. Uh, he talked about it this week when we talked with him. He, they're excited about what he can do, placing the ball, using backspins, uh, not traditional at all the way Blake Gillikin was here. So that's something new. And we've seen it already in the preseason, two different muffed punt returns by opponents on Headley's punt. So it's something that the Titans, I'm sure, are very aware of, and they'll have to focus in on because that ball is going to be coming in all sorts of crazy angles. Jeff, to wrap up, as the Saints look at the Titans, what do you think their biggest concerns are about Tennessee entering this game on Sunday? Well, I think it has to start with that physical running game with Derrick Henry and now with Tyje Spears, the, the preseason he's had. We're very familiar with him here uh, from his days at Tulane. And seeing him as a one-two punch with Derrick Henry, uh, the Saints' rushing attack, uh, rushing defense, Mike, really dropped off last year. I think they finished in the 20s. Uh, yards per carry was way up against them. Yards per game, all that. It, it just kind of came out of nowhere. They've been a top five, top ten run defense for years under Dennis Allen. They didn't tackle very well. All that has to be a concern going against this physical Titans offense I think everything starts there and if they can control the Titans you know running game I think they feel like they'll be in good shape uh, defensively but that's a big challenge with Derrick Henry as we all know I mean he can just wear down defenses and they've got so many new faces in their front seven uh, they lost both their starting defensive tackles to free agency Caden Ellis they're one of their best run defending linebackers left in free agency uh, Marcus Davenport, their starting right defensive end, went to Minnesota in free agency. So a lot of new faces and new moving parts up there. So it's a concern how their run defense is going to fit together here early on. Jeff Duncan, columnist with the Times-Picayune in New Orleans. You are awfully good at what you do. And thank you so much for taking time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Look forward to seeing you at the Dome on Sunday. That does it for this edition of the OTP. I want to thank my friend Jeff Duncan, who I've known for many, many years, for joining us with a lot of insight on the New Orleans Saints, this weekend's opponent. Again, on the air on Sunday at 11 a.m. Central on Titans radio stations throughout the region. And kickoff is set for just after noon Central time from Caesars Superdome. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the OTP.